Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, I'm excited you're here this morning. The first service, uh, that video that was shown from India was upside down. (laughs) But I think that was important because it reminds us that Jesus turns this world upside down. And the darkness and the despair, the terrible things that are happening aren't too big for Jesus. And we, we see these videos and we think about, you know, p- Christians that are suffering, and they are, and we need to pray for them. And we're going to read in First Peter, it was written to Christians who were being put in jail, who were being beaten. And sometimes we think, oh, I'm not going through anything. But here's what I want to tell you, is the battle is just as real in your life as it is for the Christians in India. The things you are facing are just as real and just as much persecution in the sense that you have an enemy of your souls who wants to steal your joy, wants to steal your faith, wants to steal your hope. And Jesus is turning those things upside down. And that's why we're going through First Peter is being reminded that Jesus is enough and that his hope is a real hope that can take us through these things. Um, last Sunday, uh, Bill Ewing shared and there was something that he shared that's been resonating in my heart and my mind uh, all week and uh, he talked about his own story how he came to this terrible terrible place in his life real suffering a real trial and and he talked about how God used that terrible situation in his life to bring him into a place of incredible joy. And the the thing that's been resonating in my heart this week is he talked about being a baseball player and, and, you know, and all the joy of that, of of hitting a home run and, and the cheering crowd. But he said that joy paled in comparison to what he gained in knowing Jesus and being used by Jesus and walking with Jesus. See, that's, that's how Jesus turns this world upside down. (laughs) He changes the darkest, most terrible things in our life into something beautiful for his glory. Would you stand with me? And I know you just sat down, and, but I, I believe it's so important that we stand in honor of God's word uh, when we're together because uh, you guys don't need to hear from me, but we all have the same need. We need to hear from God. And I believe that the Bible is God's word and it speaks to us and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that he transforms our hearts through these words. And so... Uh, We're going to read in 1 Peter, uh, starting in verse 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And this includes everything that we're going through today. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You may be seated. I titled this message, Inexpressible and Glorious Joy. 
And Chris, I love that image of Paul and Silas sitting in prison, singing, singing their hearts out. How do you explain that? Beyond the joy that comes from Jesus. So have you ever been stuck? You want to be somewhere, you want to go somewhere, you want to be doing something, but you're not able to be there, not able to do it. <laughs> you, you have expectations, but it's fallen through. So before Jill and I um, moved here to South Dakota, uh, we were transitioning, we were uh, wrapping up our ministry in Minnesota, and excited to be here with you in, in South Dakota, but we had a little time, and um, we had some family in town to watch our kids and we decided to make a trip to Chicago. Chicago is a special place for us because it's where I met my wife and we fell in love and we love the city and so we were excited to go to Chicago. So we made our plans, we, we had everything set up to have a wonderful time together in Chicago. So we show up at the airport, everything seemed on track, we got in line and then we heard that dreaded voice, <laughs> your flight has been canceled. <laughs> And so we started the whole process of figuring out, is there another way to get to Chicago? And everything was shut down. There was no way we were getting to Chicago. We were stuck in Minneapolis, and we wanted to be in Chicago. <laughs> oh. It's a silly example, but isn't it true that there's so many times in life that we find ourselves in that kind of circumstance? We, 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 we want something, or we know that we've planned for something or expected something, but it's not working out. And when we're in those times in our life, whether it's a, a job change, a job loss, or, or a sickness, or something going on with your kids, or something that's happened outside of your control, the first thing we do is we ask questions. Why, God? <laughs> we look to God and we say, why? You know, what's going on? Did I do something wrong? Or we, we have a lot of different questions. And we kind of sometimes have a, a bad view of God, but a lot of us, can fall into this and we, we kind of think God's like a, a bubblegum machine, right? If you put in the right coins or the right things then you'll get something good. And so a lot of times we, we're disappointed when things happen, when circumstances um, aren't working out or we feel stuck and we, we wonder why. And so we sometimes think, well, I, I worked at the mission last week. Shouldn't God you do something good for me? You know, we, we think that way and we look uh, maybe we, we did something wrong, but, but the Bible paints a completely different picture of God. His story, his revelation of himself is not a bubblegum machine. <laughs> it's so much more beautiful, so much more wonderful. We just went through the Sermon on the Mount, and in that sermon, Jesus reveals to us who God is. And he says, God's not impressed by your outward performance. In fact, that's not what God is looking for at all. And he says, what God is like is like a father. In fact, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he refers to God as a father. And that, that's a game changer. That changes how we understand God, how we understand a relationship with God. And in the Sermon on the Mount, the trap of performance, of being noticed, it doesn't produce anything with God. In fact, what Jesus invites us is to be known by God, to love God, to receive his love like a father. I have three boys, and uh, how many parents here have found parenting to be challenging? <laughs> it's not easy, right? <laughs> I see some hands, and oh, yeah, good. The kids are helping too. <laughs> it's challenging. It's hard. But here's what I will tell you today as a father. 
I have no greater joy than being with my kids. I, I love being with my kids. I love my kids. The, the greatest joy in my life is having them, knowing them, being their father. And, and we, can, we can know that on a human level, right? We can know that that's, a, that's so special, so precious. And here Jesus is revealing that God is our father, that if I as a imperfect, selfish human father find joy in my kids, how much more a totally unselfish, perfect God who loves unconditionally finds joy in you <laughs> as his child, as his son, as his daughter. And so then how we view God, how we think about God is, is not someone who does certain things or doesn't do certain things, but someone to know, someone to love, someone to be with, someone to respect, someone to obey. This is, this is beautiful. This is the ultimate treasure, invitation that the Bible presents to us is that God can be known, that we can find joy and life in being with Him and being in relationship with Him as children and that God's greatest joy is to be with us. This is what Jesus says in John 15. He says, remain in me and my love will remain in you. See, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, a, it's a relationship. We've been going in Wednesday nights through the story of Genesis, Abraham and Sarah, and Abraham and Sarah were stuck big time because God had shown up in Abraham's life and had said, through you, I'm going to bring blessing to not only you and your family, but all people. All people are going to be blessed through you. And so Abraham got this incredible call, this incredible revelation from God, but then he realized that Sarah, his wife, couldn't conceive. She couldn't have children. And so they got that call and that blessing and that revelation that God was going to do this wonderful thing when they were in their 70s. And then they waited 10 years and they still didn't have any children. And then they waited 15 years. <laughs> so it wasn't just a couple days in the airport, right? This is years and decades, 20 years, no children, 25 years and no children. At this point, Abraham is almost 100 years old, Sarah 90. Their bodies are absolutely unable to have kids. Not just Sarah, Abraham can't have kids. This is their, they're being stuck. <laughs> you know, God's revealed this beautiful promise, this beautiful picture of, of descendants as numerous as the stars, as many as the sand of the seashores, and yet they couldn't have kids. I love what Peter tells us in 1 Peter, that we are born into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, God is a resurrection God. <laughs> he has revealed himself as the God who resurrects. Just like Abraham and Sarah were unable to have kids, they were, in a sense, powerless and dead to that possibility. Yet God, <laughs> yet God does resurrection. And I love that the story of God culminates in Jesus Christ, God himself, incarnation, come to be with us, to reveal to us who God is. And he came and he died and he resurrected. He resurrected. But the resurrection story isn't just started with Jesus. It's all the way back through the entire Bible. 
is that God takes dead things, broken things, impossible things, and he makes them alive. He makes them whole and he makes them possible. That's what God does. That's who he is. I love throughout the Bible, there's these pictures, these words that describe the resurrection power of God. He turns mourning into dancing. (laughs) He takes tears and he produces joy. He turns ashes into beauty. Ashes have no value, no worth. It's gone. But God can take what's gone and produce something beautiful and wonderful. He turns shame into glory. (laughs) Is this not the gospel? Is this not what Jesus does as he calls broken people, people filled with shame, people filled with guilt, and he calls them to his glory, to his goodness. He's a redeeming God. And I heard a song this week that talked about these stories in the Old Testament. And the song refrain was, only you, only God, you are the one who can. You're the one who can do these things, these things that are impossible for us, these things that are beyond us. You are the resurrection God. You can do these things. And I love in the old story, Old Testament, there's all these stories. Ezekiel overlooking a valley of dry, dead bones. <laughs> and what does God do? He breathes life into what's dead and he brings up and he raises up an army and I love the story of the Old Testament Israelites as they're escaping out of slavery in Egypt and they're standing before the sea and they have Pharaoh and his army behind them ready to slaughter them and it's an impossible situation and there they are and what does God do he makes a highway right through the middle of that sea you see God can do it All things are possible. He is the resurrection God. He turns dead things and makes them living things. And that is what Peter is reminding us of. As we're going through our trials, as we're stuck in the things that we are facing, as we are facing our own dry bones, as we're facing our own armies, as we're facing our own seas that we have to go through, we need to be reminded that God is a resurrection God. He resurrects, and that is why Jesus came. He came to reveal who God is. Throughout this series, we've been sharing stories, and I have a a story this morning to share with you with Steve and Jenny Saint. Some of you recognize that name. Steve Saint was one of the uh, sons of of Nate Saint, who was martyred in Ecuador, along with um, four other men. And... uh, Steve has uh, done amazing things in his life, many successful things, but the things he's going to share today have to do with what is possible in Jesus. He's been a businessman. He's done successful things in business. He's uh, written many books. He's spoken in front of thousands and thousands of people. He's been used by God to start uh, mission movements. He's been an inventor. He's had a movie made about him, but none of that pales in comparison to the treasure of what Jesus can do in our lives in the midst of suffering. So please listen to this story. Hi, Rim Rock Church. Especially Jill and Ben, Charlie, Ethan, and Asher. You know, when I was a teenager, I thought that if we just lived by scriptural principles and kept our nose clean, that life would be uh, a smooth sailing. Boy, was I wrong. In fact, 
I now know that if life is smooth and easy, we don't learn very much. We learn a lot more in the suffering times than we do in the good times. When I was growing up, I was involved in Youth for Christ in West Central Minnesota. And one of the tools that we used was the four spiritual laws. And the first of the four spiritual laws was God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, I believed it and I heard it, but I really started seeing it when um, the Lord took this West Central Minnesota girl down to the jungles of Ecuador to meet this guy. And that was 46 plus years ago. And we have seen God's plan unfold in so many ways, unexpected and not always um, easy. In fact, a lot of the times they've been very difficult, but they've been very good. Seven, little over seven years ago, um, I was severely injured while I was testing a uh, new wing for the Maverick flying car that um, we had developed here at iTech to help people in frontier areas be able to um, keep on traveling when they got to the end of the road. Um, I woke up in, woke up for just a few seconds in a helicopter and I knew this one's going to be bad. And then I went into the deepest, darkest cave of excruciating pain. Um, woke up in a rehab hospital and I could only move that much of my index finger. Um, and people kept saying, um, asking me, what about your wife? How is she going to handle this? And I remember saying, oh, oh, you don't know Jenny. And finally, some nurses came in. They said, yeah, but you don't know what it's like to live with a quadriplegic. So for seven and a half years, I wake up every morning with spasms and pain, and there are days I can't get out of bed. I don't have that choice, but Ginny chooses to uh, live with quadriplegia, and um, our lives have severely changed, haven't they? They have changed, but they've been good changes. We've um, had more time together in the last seven years <laughs> than we've time. ever had before. Um, Jenny is just such a caring nurse. Um, I thought our love couldn't grow any more. Um, Forty, I guess then it was 39 years of um, honeymoon. Now we're 46 years and uh, really I, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, I never have to wonder if I'm needed either and that's a good thing. Or you don't have to thing. wonder where I am, do no, you? No, that's true too. But you know that if, if you just asked either Jenny or me, so is that your major time of suffering? Both of us would say no. Um, our greatest challenge in trusting God came when our 20-year-old daughter, who had been traveling with a Youth for Christ music group uh, on the West Coast and uh, then to India and Trinidad and back to Minnesota, came home. We were having... A, a welcome home party for Stephanie and uh, she had a headache and then Jenny said Steve uh, Stephanie's head really hurts so she wants us to pray for her and we went back to her room and Jenny held her and I prayed that God would take her pain away and he did but he did it in a way that um, we couldn't have anticipated uh, during her welcome home party Stephanie was having a major cerebral hemorrhage and um, she died. 
I remember the people from the waiting room coming in and and uh, and saying, "Listen, Steve and Jenny, we want you to know that we're out there praying that God will restore Stephanie to health." And it it looked she was just perfectly normal, only asleep. And then I remember thinking, "Wait, wait, what if this is what if this is God's plan?" Then I realized this must be God's plan, or it wouldn't be happening. And I didn't want to go to plan B. So I said, wait, don't pray that Stephanie will be restored. You pray that God's will will be done. And um, Stephanie died. At the morning, uh, I was at a stage in my life, late 40s, where um, we'd had four children. I was a full-time mom. I loved being a full-time mom. Our And wife. And, of course, a wife. And our three the sons best. had been married within a year and a half of each other. And, um, and Stephanie, being our youngest and our only daughter, was really my bosom buddy. And I just thought, if I can just survive until Stephanie comes home, I'll be okay. And I did survive till Stephanie came home, but the Lord decided to take her home um, from our house. I remember waking up the morning after she died, and our kids were all, our three sons, we had two baby granddaughters at that point. They were all laying around in the family room, and um, I just thought, what a, um, that God was so good to have entrusted that complicated, smart, beautiful uh, girl to me. He trusted me to be her mom, and he knew he was only going to leave her on the earth for 20 years and 20 days. Um, I had seen God's plan in our life, and I knew that this too was part of his plan, and he was so good to me. Just a few days later, I really, I mean, I still remember exactly the words. He said, Jenny, I'm so sorry I had to take your dolly, but I made it as easy as I could. And I would, could go through and think a week before, she would have been in Minnesota. If it had happened a week later, Steve would have been in Amsterdam. And she and I might have been on our way to um, Alabama to visit our son and daughter-in-law and their new baby. Uh, but instead, he brought her home and took her home from us. What a beautiful situation that was. When I was visiting friends in Atlanta once, and we were talking about some of the things that we've been through living out in the jungles, living in the deserts of West Africa, both pretty difficult assignments. Um, they asked if they could invite a young woman over whose husband was a professional ball player and um, had found out, they just found out that he had a brain tumor. And I said, sure, you know, if, if one of my scar stories can encourage them, great. And she came over, and um, I remember just telling her some of the times that we've been through suffering and how God used that to bring blessings in our lives. And then, oh, several years later, uh, my brother and a friend called and said, Steve, Laura Story, this, I didn't know who she was, has written a song called Blessings, and you've got to listen to it. And I thought, young, young women can't write about suffering if they haven't suffered. And then I listened to it and realized, oh, Laura's story, that's the young lady that went over to, um, that was invited over to the house. 
Jenny, why don't you just read the chorus because it's meant so much. Once I realized that she had suffered, then I, it, I, my heart was open to have her minister to us. The chorus is, because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? There have been lots of other times of suffering that we've, um, that we've been through, but you know, I think as people, people look at me as a representative of the story when the Waurani killed my dad and his four friends, Roger, Pete, Ed, and Jim. Um, but I think that we've gained a lot of credibility because we've suffered in other times. And, um, you know, we don't know what life is going to bring. Um, but as I was traveling and speaking a lot before I was injured, um, I saw a theme coming up and up in my heart over and over again. It was, let God write your story. And so I suggest to you, I know that you've suffered, um, but you know, that might be just the thing that God is going to use to bring, well, to write your story the way he wants and to use your suffering to help encourage other people when they're suffering. God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. Thank you, Remark Church. Isn't that incredible? That in the midst of that unbelievable pain, that God can turn it to good. And this is my friend Janet. She's going to sing this song that Laura's story wrote. But Janet uh, has survived breast cancer, so she knows, right? We cry in anger 
when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness. We doubt your love. As if every promise from your word is not enough. And all the while you hear each desperate plea. And long that we'd have faith to believe. Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know your near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life? Is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? And what if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in Thank you, Janet and Tom, for sharing with us. We're going to be celebrating communion here this morning. Do you believe that God is the resurrection God? That's why he gave us communion, to remind us, because he took a broken body, shed blood, to remind us that God can bring life out of broken things, difficult things. I love what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's writing the big story, and he, you are part of that story, the part of God's story, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I love that phrase, that the cross, as painful, as hard, as difficult as it was, there was a greater joy, and that's what that's what Peter's talking about when he talks about an inexpressible and glorious joy, that God is doing something beautiful. He's doing something wonderful in all of our stories. And the cross reminds us that God is doing that. And he despised the shame of the cross. And here's the beautiful part. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's with God. He is God and he is with God. And this, my dear friends, I think is what gives us joy in the midst of the most difficult things that we face, is that God is with us. He's a father. He loves us. And his plan is one of joy, of salvation, and hope. And so this real joy is found in God himself. We have a purpose. We are the resurrection people. And even all the adversity in life, it cannot hold us down, it cannot destroy us, because we know there's a joy on the other side of all of that. That our purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I love what, how Brennan Manning explains this in his most straightforward, unassuming way. And this, this is what he says. In essence, there is only one thing that God asks of us. That we be women and men of prayer. People who live close to God. People who, for whom God is everything and for whom God is enough. For whom God is enough. That's what 
communion is all about. We're reminded that Jesus is enough for us, that what he's provided for us enables to happen what we cannot do on our own. We cannot save ourselves, we cannot rescue ourselves, we cannot keep ourselves from hardship. But Jesus is doing the impossible. He's changing those things into beauty, into joy. So would you share communion with me today if you're a follower of Jesus? We're gonna sing, but we're gonna do it a little different today. We're gonna have stations and I'm gonna ask that you get up and when you're ready to go and take that bread and that cup and just take it right there. You don't need to wait, just take it. You can take it back to your seat and take it. And uh, we're just going to be reminded together of God's purpose uh, through Jesus Christ.